Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, listeners. Just in case you don't know, my name's Luke, and this is my podcast for learners of English all around the world. Welcome. Just a reminder at the start here that this podcast is made possible thanks to donations from listeners and the paid premium subscription that you can sign up for in order to get access to over 100 episodes, all devoted to helping you improve your grammar, vocabulary, and pronunciation. The library of premium stuff is growing all the time as I publish new content, and I'm currently working on some new episodes, which I hope to record and publish soon. Being a premium Lepster means that you get access to all that content, as well as the free stuff, of course. And it also means that you support this whole project, too. To get all the information, including the very reasonable prices, just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. One other thing before we start properly, there's a big vote coming up. Have you heard about this? Yes, there's a very important vote, a big election in which one person is going to be chosen and it's all very tense and historic. Everyone's talking about it. Who's going to be chosen? Will it be the right person? Yes, that's right. I'm referring, of course, to the Wispolep competition on Luke's English podcast. What else could it be? I just wanted to mention this because people have been asking me about it. The competition is closed now. And I'm working on the next stage of it, which will be to let you hear all the competition entries and then let you vote for your favourites. And then based on the results of that vote, I will choose one Lepster to be interviewed on the podcast. I can tell you that there have been lots of very strong entries, so it will be difficult to choose just one person. But that's what we have to do. So stay tuned to Luke's English Podcast to hear an episode with everyone's two-minute speeches in which they try to convince you to pick them for Luke's English Podcast. That's coming soon, uh, when I've worked out how to manage it all. It's coming, in any case. Right, that's that then. And now it's time to start this episode properly. And here's the jingle. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. So hello and welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I hope you're doing fine out there in podcast land. This episode then, this is the first in a series of episodes called Raising Bilingual Children. And it's about exactly that, the topic of bringing up children to speak several languages, or more specifically, bringing up children who speak English as well as another language. Ever since my daughter was born nearly three years ago, I've been meaning to talk about the topic of raising bilingual children on this podcast, um, or at least the topic of raising children who speak English fluently. So my podcast is mainly here to help my listeners improve their English. But a lot of you out there have kids and naturally your thoughts turn to them and their English. I have had lots of requests from listeners asking me to talk about this topic. So that's why this series exists. This episode being the first proper one uh, on the topic. I'm not sure how often I'll be, be doing these but um, certainly I plan to publish a, a Raising Bilingual Kids episode sort of every now and then. Um, it is a topic I plan to return to in various ways in the future. Maybe you have children and you want them to speak fluent English as well as another language. Uh, this is for you then, if that is the case. Maybe you don't have children yet, but you might in the future, in which case you are thinking about how to help your future children learn English. We know that starting early is so important in language development. So it's certainly useful to have an awareness of this topic so that you can do the right things when and if children come into your life. Or maybe for you, having children is not really a concern. It's not something you're planning to do. You're not going to have children. Or maybe you've already done it and that's behind you now. But I still hope that this will be interesting for you because 
Ultimately, it's all about learning English and certain essential principles related to doing that. The topic of raising bilingual children is massive. I'm by no means an expert on this specifically, although it is something I've been reading about, I've been thinking about it, I've been talking about it, and also I've been doing it myself because I am raising a bilingual child, or I'm hoping to anyway. Um, As you may know, I live in France and I have a young daughter. She's nearly three at this moment in time. My wife is French and we're doing our best to make sure that our daughter learns to use both French and English with ease and confidence and all the rest of it. So I have experience in this area, but I haven't done like a master's degree in this topic or anything like that. My qualifications and experience are in teaching English to adults mainly. So I'm kind of learning about it myself too. It's a complex topic. There are big questions that come up when you start to talk about bilingualism in children. Questions like, what is bilingualism exactly? How do we define bilingual? What is a native speaker? How do children acquire languages? And is this different to the way adults do it? And more. What are the standards that we can realistically expect from children who aren't living in an English-speaking country and whose parents aren't native English speakers? These are all questions that kind of come up when you start talking about this topic. Also, there are the many combinations of factors involved, many different situations that make it quite hard to get a proper grip on the topic. For example... And let's just use France as an example here because that's where I live. But you could replace France with any other country and this will still work. So examples of these different situations. So these different situations might require slightly different approaches or they might involve different challenges for parents. So this is just an example of the many different situations that people find themselves in in which they um, are attempting to raise a child to speak several languages. So here are some of those situations. It could be it could be for example that one parent is French and the other is a native English speaker and they live in France. Okay? One parent's French, the other is a native English speaker and they both live in France, which is like my situation. And again, we're just using France as an example. It could be any country. Another situation would be one parent is French, the other is a native English speaker and they live in England. Okay, and the child is, you know, going to school in English, whereas um, in the previous example, the child is probably going to school in French. Then another situation would be that, let's say, both parents are French. Neither of them is a native speaker of English, but they live in England and the child is at school in English. So how, how do the parents approach the uh, child's language development? Another example would be both parents are English. Both of them are native speakers, but they live in France and the child goes to school in French. And then another situation, and this one is the holy grail, I think. This is the one that I think most of you are interested in. um, And that is that both parents are French, or as I've said, any nationality, but neither of them is a native speaker of English. Um... Okay, they live in France and the child is going to school mainly in French. That seems to be the big one. That's the one that most of you are probably experiencing. Or another similar situation would be that one parent is, let's say, French and the other one is, I don't know, Korean, for example. Neither of them is a native speaker of English and they live in Brazil and their child is going to school in Brazilian Portuguese. So those are just some of the possible combinations of situations. There are probably more possible combinations too. And also there are other factors to take into account, like whether there is a wider community that exists in the target language. For example, that would be like, I don't know, grandparents or uh, a circle of friends who speak English and that live nearby, or whether the child is going to a Uh, so-called bilingual school and there are various versions of what a bilingual school actually means or a monolingual school only in English you know there are so many different possibilities and the more you think about the possible combinations the more complex it gets especially from my point of view uh, as you know the podcaster who's talking about this because I want to cover all the bases so this may be one of the reasons why it's taken me so long to actually get 
episodes like this done because every time I approach the subject, it's kind of like, whoa, oh God, my goodness, it's actually really huge. I can't just do one single episode about this. And yet also I can't, I can't start a whole new podcast just devoted to, to the subject of bilingual children, which you could. I mean, I could do Luke's Bilingual Children podcast. There's so much to say about it and so many people to talk about. Um, also, there are, there are different approaches that you can take to to doing this right there's like for example one parent one language that's where for example in my case it would be i speak english only only english to my daughter and my wife speaks only french to her but then what language do we speak to each other you know the those considerations also there's the idea of english in the home where everyone just speaks english at home and english uh, your home becomes a sort of a british embassy or something uh, and then uh, the other language is is spoken outside the home. So you could make that distinction. Uh, also, there's another distinction, which is English at the weekend, for example, and another language during the week. There are lots of combinations. But without getting too academic about it, I think one of the best ways to explore this subject is just to talk to people in various situations who are raising their children to speak English or who have done it and just to find out as much as possible about them. Actually, there are loads of people I can talk to about this, including my wife, our friends like Amber, for example, uh, who lives in France and who has two children now. One of them is six years old and he speaks really good English. How has she done that? Um, Also, I could talk to some of my colleagues who I work with at the British Council, whose job it is to teach English to children. They have some specialist knowledge in that area. Um, And also, there are lots of Lepsters who have success stories to share. And this brings me to this episode in which I'm talking to a long-term Lepster, Alex Suvorov, whose name I've probably mispronounced because I usually do mispronounce people's names. If that's the case, I do apologise. But anyway, uh, I'm talking to Alex and his four-year-old daughter, Alice. I'm mainly talking to Alex but you, you'll hear a little bit of Alice in there too. So I've been meaning to talk to Alex on the podcast about this topic for quite a long time now. As you will hear, Alex fits into the category of a non-native speaker in a non-English speaking country. I mean, one where English is not the first language. Okay, so a non-native speaker of English in a non-English speaking country who's been raising his child to speak English. In this case, Alex is in Russia, in Moscow. There's a lot to unpack here, but basically I want to find out firstly how Alex got his English up to its current level and then talk about his daughter's English. And that's it, basically. Those are the aims for the episode. Hopefully we can shed some light on this whole subject and maybe give you some inspiration or food for thought. At the beginning of the conversation, Alex is joined by Alice and you'll be able to hear her speaking a little bit. But after a few minutes, she goes into the other room and it's just Alex and me. But at the end, you will be able to hear a short recording that Alex made of him speaking to Alice, which will give you a little idea of what her English is really like. Okay, so without any further ado, let's get started with the first episode of Raising Bilingual Children. And here we go. Right, so um, Alex... And yep. Alice, hello. Hi. How are you both today? We're okay, Alice, aren't we? Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Oh, she kissed me on the cheek now. Oh, how sweet. <laughs> how yeah. are you, Luke? Is everything going okay for you yeah. and your family? Yes, things are fine, thankfully. Alex, you've been on this podcast before, do you remember? I think so, yeah. It, it wasn't just me. It was a group of lapsters from one of these meetups, right? Yeah, that's right. We did a, a call. You called me and um, kind of asked me some questions and stuff. And I, I ended up putting the audio for that into one of the episodes. So this is not the first time you've been on the podcast. But for those people who don't know, what do you do? Where are you? Who um, are you? Okay, yeah, good point. Um, I live in Moscow, Russia, the capital of Russia. And I teach English. Don't I, Alice? Yeah. I, I am a private tutor, so I don't work in some sort of school or like uh, commercial school of English. 
I just tend to find students and, uh, yeah, I teach them English. Okay. That, that's what I do. Okay. And how I learned English myself is a long story, but I'll try to keep it short because mm. it's kind of boring. Um, I mean, the first time I had to encounter English was when my dad tried to teach me, but it was like, I want to drink, I want to sleep, like this kind of uh, very, mm. very, very, very simple phrases. Mm. Then I went to school and I was rubbish at English. The thing is, I hated English uh, at first at school. I got bad marks and my parents, they, they got me a tutor, a private tutor, and it helped real much. Then I went to... One of these commercial yeah, uh, English schools, yeah. very mm. popular in Russia and around the world too, English first. I'm, yeah. I'm sure everybody yeah, has yeah. heard about mm. this, right? Yeah, yeah, you just... Then I became a huge fan of the British culture, the yeah. American culture. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I, I've been to the United Kingdom six times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then uh, yeah. at university, I learned a lot of English. And also my university had this program where we had to go to Scotland for the whole year. Oh, really? So, yeah, I did live in Scotland for, for a year and it felt fantastic. I, I fell in love with the United Kingdom as a thing, as a whole. And yeah, yeah that, that's when... Then I, I decided that I wanted some... Um, pocket money, you know, to go to the cinemas and stuff mm. when I was a student. <laughs> Are you tired? It's boring. My story is boring, isn't it? <laughs> Alice says she's tired. Uh, yeah. Okay, Alice, we'll focus on you in a minute, okay? <laughs> well, the thing is that I started uh, teaching English. I didn't charge a lot of money. It was like literally like, uh, I don't know, like five pounds per class. Mm. Uh, so it's not much, but I only did it to get some pocket money. And by doing this, I learned more myself, of course, because I wanted to become better and better. And then, yeah, somehow I became um, sort of a self-made professional to an extent, but I'm not sure. It's not up to me to judge how professional I am. I'm sure that uh, everybody can hear that I do make mistakes every now and then, like small mistakes with articles or something. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. My accent is far from perfect, but I mean it's uh, it's clear to understand. Connection, not perfection. That's that's the, what the girls from all ears English say, and I think they've got a point. You you decided to bring up Alice to be an English speaker, right? Yeah. Just tell us about why you chose to do that. Well, um, I've got uh, some notes in front of me here, and there's one note, uh, one point saying that my wife says she inspired me. Mm -hmm. um, I've got to be honest here. I don't recall that, but that might might be true. So I'm not denying that. Um, I don't know. To be honest, I've got this kind of scientific mindset. I'm not trying to say that I'm smart or anything. Just this kind of uh, uh, type of psychology or whatever you call it. You know, there's these 16 personality types. Mm -hmm. I'm one of the, they call them INTP. Um, so I like to do experiments, basically. Yeah. In my personal life too, so I I just want to see what happens if I do that, and um, I don't regret it. Of course, it's not hard. If anything, it's entertaining. Even what have you been doing then? Ah, uh, it's it's really simple. I just started speaking English with her on day one, day zero actually. Is it day zero, day one when the when the child is born? I was in the room where where she was born, and the doctors, the medical staff, they gave her to my arms and the first thing i said to her was uh, welcome i said welcome <laughs> and starting from from there i just started speaking english with her i know that kids don't understand anything until they're like at least six months or something but I, it didn't stop me from talking to her all the way i don't know the science behind it but i think that small kids uh newborns they they get used to hearing the speech right Yes. Even though they don't understand the, the semantics of it. So I don't do anything specific. The first point, I only speak English with her. I never switch to Russian. And when she tried to switch to Russian with me, it was when she was like one, one and a half. I just said, sorry, uh, you've got to speak English with me. That, that's all you have to do. So there's no specific um, tool set in my case that, uh, that I've been using. Another point is uh, watching content on, on the internet. <laughs> Um, she's not allowed to watch anything in Russian uh, on YouTube. Yes, Alice. 
Sorry, it's because she's just four years old, it's hard for her to just sit still. Of course, gives, yeah, yeah, of course. I'm afraid it's it, it might be quite boring for Alice um, to take um, part in this conversation because, <laughs> you know, it's sort of an adult conversation. So, you know, she, maybe she's going to get distracted and bored while we're doing uh-huh, this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Hello, listeners. At this point, we actually said goodbye to Alice uh, because she was starting to get bored, of course, and she's only four years old. But she's very sweet. It was very nice to meet her over the internet, uh, only four years old. So we decided to let her go uh, to do something else, probably a lot more interesting for her. Uh, but we did want to capture some recordings of Alice speaking. It's quite difficult to record a four-year-old because they can be quite shy, you know, children. But um, Alex did manage to do a little bit of recording with her, and I'll play that at the end of the episode. But now let's carry on uh, listening to Alex talking about his approach to raising Alice as an English speaker. Another reason why it's good is that uh, you spend more time, you tend to spend more time with your child, because uh, if you feel like English is uh, getting behind Russian... I mean, her vocabulary is a bit smaller in English mm-hmm. and the complexity of the sentences that she's able to construct, the, the, it's not mm, as great as in her real native uh, tongue, then, then mother tongue. Then, then then you tend to spend more time with, with your child because you want to catch up. You know, you, I, yeah. I want my daughter to speak English as well as she does speak in Russian, mm. Mm. which is challenging, but... It helps if you get out there with her alone, like one-on-one and have long conversations. We do go to the swimming pool together. Uh, we do have some walks sometimes and stuff. And also just, just when I'm home, I, I try to get there and play with her. I teach her how to read English letters already. Yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah, I do stuff with her because I want her to speak English as well as she speaks Russian. How is her Russian? I mean, people might be wondering if so much exposure to English is having an effect on her Russian. Have you noticed anything? No, I think um, there's no downside to it. Uh, I, I mean, I don't get a feeling that her Russian is her Russian is getting worse because of her using English. And also, I don't get that mixture of languages when when she randomly um, includes Russian words into an English sentence. It does happen every now and then. It does happen, uh, but it's very rare, only mm. if she does not know the English equivalent of some word. But okay. I immediately correct her. I, I immediately explain what's the English. Uh, another, by the way, it reminded me about one of the difficulties that I get is having to Google lots of stuff myself, because, as you know, English is not my uh, native language. Mm. And uh, like uh, a word, acorn, the word that um, describes the thing that falls off an oak, yeah. oak tree, acorn, acorn. Yeah, I had to Google that to explain. She, she, she saw it. She said, "Dad, what's that?" And I had to spend like fifteen seconds on my phone to to answer that question. Yeah, and also some vocabulary connected to bringing up a child, like raising the newborn. Mm. I, I had to Google things like. What do you call this uh, transport that they use? The, the, the Americans say it's a pram, right? And uh, Britain, we say, um, I say we, well, they say it's a pushchair or yeah, uh, they can a push say chair a buggy. Or, or, or a pram. I think in, in America it might be a stroller or a buggy, but uh, a buggy. as far mm-hmm. as I'm aware, in the UK it's a pushchair or a pram, although a pram, a pram is pram. sort of okay. like a, one of those larger, more old fashioned things. Um, yeah, when, when the child can lay down um, yeah, all the way. Yeah. And um, also, we don't use the word diaper. We use the word nappy. Well, we don't now. When when she was a newborn. I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so things you, like that. The, the, yeah, there's specific specific vocab um, relating to uh, stuff. You know, children's stuff. Like, um, mm-hmm. is it a dummy or is it a pacifier? The thing that yep. the child puts in their mouth when they sleep, and and all those sorts of things. That's right. It seems that. Um, yeah, British and American English don't seem to share many words in this on this subject. So that isn't another thing to be aware of. Um, one thing that people will be thinking is is this: they will think, well, if if I have if I'm bringing up my child and I'm speaking English to my child, what about if my English isn't perfect? Um, people oh, are what, people are concerned that, that that it will do more damage than good if they no. feel that their English is not quite up to scratch. What do you think about that? 
good point, and I'm very glad you brought this up because, um, as you can hear, probably my English is also not perfect. I mean, if it's good enough to be to be able to to get a point across, then then it's good enough to be bringing up your child in English. I, I would say if you are like upper intermediate or something, it's already good enough because uh, by doing this, you will learn a lot of things yourself. And also, even if you think that uh, you may you may be not effective enough, there's uh, help from all these cartoons and YouTube videos. So yeah. I, I hope that at some point uh, my daughter is going to be a better English speaker than me because she will pick up more vocabulary than I did when I was growing up, of course. And uh, um, I think that there has been already a couple of situations when she taught me a couple of words. Oh, really? I'm not sure which words they were. I think something to do with items of clothing or features of appearance or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it has already happened a couple of times. I mean, uh, the more she watches English language content, I mean, you just have to kickstart your child. That's all you have to do, really. Yeah. And also, you you're going to get better English yourself by doing this. So you can you can see it as a uh, having a free kind of study program. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. because you will you will be forced to Google stuff to to Google translate stuff and uh, use it in conversations. By yeah. the way, it's it's very effective. Yeah. So don't don't. If somebody is uh, out there thinking whether they should or should not be doing that, I, I don't see this, like the level of English as a good reason not to do this. When I spoke to David Crystal recently, the uh, yeah. linguist, um, he basically said, he made the point that it's better than, it's obviously, it's way better than nothing. Of course. You know, that, that not speaking English to your child um, puts them at a huge disadvantage. That even if you are using intermediate upper or upper intermediate level English, uh, that is still a, a really, really, really vital, important foundation. It's still English. And also, as children grow up and as their language develops, they can, you know, they're very adaptable. And like you say, the English that they're getting from the other types of exposure, like the TV or, you know, stuff they're watching, um, the videos they're watching, or books that they read as well, can help them to work out what's right and wrong, you know. Um, yes. So it, it all kind of goes into the mix. There, there's another point I wanted to mention, uh, that some people are cautious about uh, using a foreign language to speak all the time with your child is going to make your relations a bit less emotional, a bit that th there's less warmth to, mm. to them, if you if you understand what I mean. Yeah. Like uh, if you use a foreign language, for some reason you speak like a robot or something, which is not the case. I just wanted to assure you it's, it's not about the language, it's about your attitude to your child in general. So if you... I mean, if you are a good parent, you're going to be a good parent even in a foreign language. Um, I, do, I don't see that. Uh, that I know that many people think that, but I do, I'm just talking, talking from the standpoint of my experience that it's not a thing. I mean, you can still be um, talking about how much you love your child, about how much you appreciate her, how much you're proud of her, and so on. Yeah, I imagine people are saying that because... Mm -hmm. When people say that, it tells us more about their attitude towards English than it does about whether or not you can have an emotional relationship with your child in English. You know what I mean? Like, I imagine mm -hmm. that these people would say that because they have never used English to have an emotional connection with someone. And I think that uh, it's, it's wrong to uh, to have that assumption that in fact, yeah, it's, 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 it is not how it works, really, because I'm sure you can back me up here having a relations with, with a person with another a mother tongue, um, talking about your wife, obviously. Yeah, I think you can back me up that there's nothing wrong with it, with using uh, yeah, of a course. foreign language for you. Yeah. And in fact, it's I, I think that if you think that uh, speaking in a foreign language means that you can't be emotional. That, yeah. that just means that you've got completely the wrong attitude about uh, learning that language. And that the more you have emotional, personal connections in that mm. language, the more effective you're, effectively you're going to learn it. Like some people just think of English or any other foreign language as just another skill, like, like learning, you know, maths or, or yeah, something okay. like that. And they, they don't see it as, as being a personal uh, thing. 
which is a mistake. That's that's what it says. Uh, that's exactly what it said on the, my profile, where at the website where I find my students, um, that English is not uh, knowledge. It's it's a um, it's a natural thing that we are born with. Yeah. Using a language is not a skill. It's not a knowledge. It's not a theory. It's just it's just a well, you could call it a skill, but it's a natural skill. It's not an acquired skill. Yeah, it's it's about unlocking. Um, parts of yourself in a weird way. Mm, yeah, uh, but by the way, one of the nodes um, is that I haven't mentioned yet is exactly uh, covering this point. Uh, when Alice, my daughter, is speaking English, it's like she has a slightly different personality. Oh, really? So, it, yeah, it surprises me. She's she seems to be a bit more civilized or something. I don't know, a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Sophisticated? I, I, not sophisticated. I, um, I, I would say she's like a bit more structured in her, more logical in her thinking, uh, less emotional, but in a good way. I mean, she's uh, approaching problems in a constructive way, more likely than when she's in the Russian language environment. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. And it shows that learning another language in childhood just gives so much more to the child it gives them the ability to think in various ways it gives them perspective that other children might not have it does and, and the good thing you don't have to do anything about it as long as you do speak english as i said you have to google something occasionally but it only takes 10 seconds really yeah. and that's all really and also think about the amount of money you're going to save because in the modern world it's almost obvious to everyone that you're going to have to spend loads of money to to teach your child english later when 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 your child is 15 20 years old mm-hmm. i mean it's almost inevitable if you, it, it is inev- it is it can be avoided if your child is going to work locally somehow i don't know i don't want to give to be giving examples or anything mm. i'm just saying that um in the modern world it's it's really a thing that that uh, a person has to acquire and doing this, what I'm talking about, is free of charge, 100%. Yeah, and also starting early is the best way. Um, it is. We it know is. that. Like, a lot of the time when adults are trying to learn English, they're, they're, they're sort of, um, what's the word, sort of handicapped by their lack of exposure to English in their childhood. And I've just seen so many adults who are in attempting to learn English, they're also having to undo a lot of the things that happened in their in their childhood, which basically means either never really using it to communicate, never uh, ex- being exposed to it, or mm-hmm. uh, having to deal with a lot of sort of trauma from school when they were uh, exposed to English in the context of uh, a strict classroom environment which is a very mm-hmm. unhealthy place and it gives people lots of hang-ups this is why people can't you know feel that they can't learn english and uh, they don't and they, they they're personally blocked because they've just never had the right kind of experience with english um so yeah giving them an emotional relationship in english from the very beginning is just a great way to arm your child with a with a sort of inbuilt confidence with yep. the language. I, I don't see the reason why why anyone would not do that. Really. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, don't know. Uh, I guess some people kind of think um, that it's a, it's too big a commitment, that they think, well, th- this is it then. I have to speak English to my child exclusively and I'm, you know, I'm never going to be able to speak my native tongue with my child. I think that's the thing, that it's, it seems to be a big commitment and a big decision to make. Okay, if that scares somebody, maybe, maybe you could consider... Um, taking a day off once a week, you know, Sundays, speaking your native tongue, if, if that if that's the reason, really. Yeah. Um, I, I hear some people do that. Some people split their weeks half and half, or like weekends go to one language and weekdays go to another language. That's yeah. a thing. Some people do that. I wonder, by the way, I wonder how many people are like our family, um, raising bilingual kids without having the obvious reason for it. You know, like having one of the parents with one mother tongue, another one with another, or another reason would be living in a foreign country. Like, uh, if you're, if you are a French family living in the United Kingdom, obviously that's the obvious reason to, to mm. bring up your kid in a, 
uh, in an English language environment. Uh, but what I'm talking about, I wonder how many people are doing this without these kind of obvious reasons. Yeah, people like in, in your situation. I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know the number and I'd, I'd like to find it out. I don't know how to Google that. even. <laughs> yes, it's very hard to know how many people yeah. are doing that. But I mean, you know, hopefully some of my listeners who are in the same situation as you will get mm-hmm. in touch and uh, share some of their experiences in the comments section. I mean, in most of my, as you know, most of my audience are ninjas who just yeah. hide hide in the shadows and, and never actually um, <laughs> communicate. Although I, you know, I do have quite a lot who do. Um, but hopefully some more of those people will kind of come out of the, the woodwork, so to speak, and share their mm-hmm. experiences because, um, you know, that would be very useful. Um, but, um, Alex, it's good to talk to you. And, um, I mean, it's, I, it's actually a very complicated subject. I've been meaning to talk. Yeah. I'm going to say this in the introduction, but I've been meaning to talk about this topic for a long time, you know, since my daughter was born and beyond. Um, but every time I approach it, uh, I, I kind of get blocked by the many different factors that are involved it's difficult to just kind of uh talk about it in a very coherent way uh it but is. it but it's been interesting to get your example can you know. i just add one little detail uh then um it's the only one point that, that i haven't mentioned yet from my notes and it's really kind of technical um when, when you do do the thing that i'm doing uh, it's useful to test the vocabulary of your child every now and then. Mm-hmm. And there's a perfect website for it. I'm not giving it any advertisement or anything. Um, just, just know it mm-hmm. from my own experience. It's called testyourvocab.com. Okay. It's, uh, 100% free of charge. You just, uh, tick the words that your child knows and then find out the result. And then the approximate result of how many words a person knows. And in case of my daughter, it's, I don't remember the exact number. I haven't put it down, unfortunately, but I vividly remember that I was happy about the number. It was like slightly behind native, uh, native speakers yeah, for, yeah. for that age group. It was like 20% behind or something. Yeah. That's going to give her a big advantage. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, ju- just mentioning this uh, as a tool, like w- if you do that, how to measure if you're doing a good job, if your child is developing, um, properly in, in in the english language test your vocab.com yeah i have seen yeah. that before it's good i use it uh, in my job all the time with my students and i figured i could also use it to check my daughter's vocabulary and i did yeah okay. mine is uh mine is eight thousand no it, it used to be eight thousand i think it's something like eight ten thousand now okay. mm, it's, it's not great it's not the native uh, speaker level i would say native speakers uh, know about 20,000 words mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, how many do we actually use uh, all the time? How many do you need to know if you're going yeah. to do business in English? Probably uh, 8,000 would be enough. Probably. More than enough. It's all a question of identity and intelligibility. Um, in the first instance, you need to be understood. You need to be able to communicate and get your ideas across in order to do business or, or do similar things like that. And then when you add the extra 10,000 words on the top to get to 20,000, that's kind of a question of identity, isn't it, as well? It's kind of not just whether you can communicate things simply and effectively, but also whether you can kind of start to impose a lot of personality onto the top of it as well. Sometimes it's just sometimes you only need about 10,000 or 8,000 or something. Speaking as an English teacher, I can assure you that uh, the difference between a person who is going to learn English and the person who is not going to learn English is just one point, and that's uh, not being afraid to speak, okay? Mm-hmm. Because uh, I, I see a lot of students who are smart enough to learn it, but they're kind of hesitant. And as a teacher, my job is mainly to unlock their kind of um, willingness to speak, so to say. Yeah. So yeah. that's one feature, one key feature that, that separates people into two categories, like people who are going to be effective English learners and ineffective, not being afraid to speak. Uh, and if you do that thing with your child, if this is the least that you can expect, that, that your child is not going to be afraid to speak English. Right, And yeah. at, at some point later, she may, she or he may um, 
learn the acquired grammar and vocabulary points. Right, That's and and point. and the rest of it. In fact, you yeah. know, even yeah. even just things like you know polishing the accent. Uh, exactly, or, or yeah. whatever, mm-hmm. uh, all those little bits and pieces. Yeah, that that you're essentially giving your child, as you said, the the willingness to speak, the confidence to speak, because it's in them. It's not something external yep. to them, um, and their relationship to English is is personal and positive, rather than yeah. you know it being it being imposed on them from an authority figure at school or something. And that's not really the the way that languages um, are learned, you know. So yeah, just speaking to your child in English and having you know having a relationship with your child in English um, is yeah, it's a huge gift to the child, isn't it? Really, it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree, one hundred percent. Obviously, yeah, that's great. That's that's what you're doing. So good for you, mate. Well done. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Then um, that's pretty much all the notes I've got in front of me. If you've got any more additional legal questions or anything, I'll be happy to answer. But I think we've been over I everything. Th- yeah, I think we've probably covered most of the things. I mean, there, obviously, there'll be something that occurs to me later on when I'm putting this episode together. And I think, oh, damn, I didn't ask him about that or oh, I got that thing wrong. But, you know, there's only so much you can do. I mean, I, 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 as I said, I've been trying to start this series for a long time. And every time I approach it, it sort of yeah. starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger and and it, it's a bit overwhelming so what i decided to do was just start talking to people and just kind of you know work it out as we go along so yes perhaps other things will come to me but i'll just have to sort of mention them in in forthcoming episodes yeah and i'm always in touch if you if you need to ask any specific questions mm-hmm. i'm always in touch for you okay obviously yeah well thanks alex thank you very much for for telling us your story and um and Thanks say, for asking. <laughs> yeah, it's been really interesting. And I hope that everyone has, um, you know, found this inspiring. Okay, good. Yeah. I hope so too. Okay, well, take care. Have a lovely day. Thank you. You too, Luke. And uh, speak to you again uh, soon, perhaps. Okay, hope so. Okay good. then. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye for now. Bye. So that was my conversation with Alex Suvorov. Suvorov, Suvorov, Suvorov. I think it's Suvorov. He did Alex did tell me how to do it, but of course I've forgotten. Anyway, that was my conversation with Alex about his approach to giving his daughter a head start in English. I'd like to say thanks again to Alex and his daughter Alice. Thank you very much, guys. Now, it would be interesting to hear a bit more from Alice. So I'm now going to play a quick recording that Alex and his daughter made together so that you can hear her speaking in English. So this is about five minutes long and you'll hear Alex basically trying to get Alice to show us her English, which is quite hard because, as you might know, it can be quite difficult to get little children to cooperate sometimes. But if you listen carefully... You can hear Alice responding to Alex's questions and prompts and saying little comments here and there in English. Bear in mind, okay, listeners, bear in mind that she is only four years old. So in terms of her English, we're not looking for Dame Judi Dench here, okay? You're you're never going to get spectacular and fully formed language from a child of that age in any language, including in the first language. So don't expect to hear a mini Amber Minogue here, okay? That's not what we're looking for. What we are looking for is the ease with which she speaks in English. Listen out for how comfortable she is speaking English. Actually, I don't, I don't remember hearing any grammar or vocabulary errors from Alice but she might be a bit hesitant or shy because four-year-old children often are. And Alice knew that she was being recorded here, so she was probably being a little bit shy. Her accent might sound a bit Russian, but as we said near the end of the conversation, for a four-year-old, the main thing is that sense of confidence and comfort in English. And I think Alice has that. Specific points of pronunciation can be worked on later but a foundation of comfort, confidence, fluency, and the feeling that English is your own language combined with an instinctive sense of grammar and vocabulary are the most important things that you can give a child. I think you can hear that from Alice. Anyway, let's now listen to Alex uh, talking to Alice. You might need to listen quite carefully. Uh, It's quite sweet as well in some moments. Um, Anyway, let's now listen to Alex and his daughter, Alice. 
Okay, here we go. Uh, can I talk to you about something like how are you going to celebrate your birthday? There is balloons and cake and presents for me and something else. So it's going to be balloons, presents, uh, cake. Um, I do you think you have some friends that you could invite invite uh, for your Yeah, I have one friend since many friends, but I don't want to really many of my friends. So I'll put only one friend. Do you, do you know the name of that friend? Yeah, Ulyana. But she's a, but she was a little girl, Ulyana, and now she's Lady Big. So is she older than you? Yeah. <laughs> she's already going to school, so oh, really? I think she's gonna go to school when 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 I the girls gonna be so uh, I can invite another friend. What? what do you think we're going to give you as a birthday present, me and your mom? I don't know. Would you like anything particular? I have um, really many presents that I that I want on my uh, birthday. Oh, maybe you could come up with a list and and we could take a look at this list with your mom and choose something, or we could just give you the money and you'll you'll I be burped. Burped. burping is fine. Just don't fart, okay? <laughs> I mean, for the recording, it's going to be very rude to fart. Uh, listen, listen, another question. Yes. Uh, are you going to celebrate your birthday at home or somebody, somewhere else? Or you, or you don't know yet? I don't know about it. You don't know at all? Do no, you want me... my birthday. Ah! I know. I, I know. I know it's only in Oh no, we're not speaking Russian at this at this point. Obviously. I know, I know. I'm just saying that I know it's only. Oh, is it the name of the Russian. place? Is it the name yes. of the place that you're trying to say? Because it's fine for the names. We don't use Russian and English. The names of the places they are the same. Ow! You kicked the Oops. table, and because of that, on the recording, there, there will be like a sound. <laughs> yeah, we don't want that, Alice. Um, okay, can you see what's going on on the telly? Football. Can you see uh, the score line? Like, who scored how many goals? I yeah, but I don't know how to... How count. to read it? I Please, I don't know how to read it. It's fine. I think that you know how to read these two numbers because they indicate how many goals each team scored. You do know this number, don't ah, you? Ah, zero, zero. Yeah, what does it mean, zero, zero? How many... They're trying yeah. to score one. They're trying, of course, all the time. Right now, they're doing a corner kick, and nothing's coming out of it. The goalkeeper has got the ball now. Anyways, we're listening to you in this interview, not me. Yeah. Okay, uh, your friend Ulyana, right? Is that her name? Yeah. Uh, how, do you, how do you know her? Big. I met her on a spider web. At the spider web? What's spider web? Because these people, they don't know. Can you explain? It's a playground uh -huh. that is called spider web. Where is it? It's in the in our park. We have a park, you know, guys? Oh, wow. Is this park far away from, from the house where we live? No. I don't know. Not so much. How much time does it take to get to the park? No, I don't remember because we are uh, in our granny and our granny lives in another place, so I don't remember. What do you mean we are in our granny? <laughs> are we inside of her body or what? <laughs> I wanted to say we are in the house. Ah, uh -huh. in the house yeah, of her. Uh, yeah, but she is in another house, so. Great. Look, another question now. Um, what are the things that we do together, me and you? Is there anything at all that we do together sometimes? I don't know. Are you sure you don't know? Yeah. Does it feel like I'm always away doing something else? No. Does it feel like I'm with you often? Well, not often. You have work on your computer, so you're working on your computer. What do I do on and my computer? Do sometimes you go to work, you... Teaching English. I do, don't I? Yeah. Wow, hey, what, are you trying to go away? 
Alice, this is going very well. Let, let's finish it, okay? It's going well. Um, but can, can you sit still? This yeah, don't kick the table. Don't, don't punch it. Don't slap it. Don't do anything with the table. <laughs> Alice, listen. Another question about me and you, okay? Are you sure you don't remember anything that we do together? No. But Alice, come on. Please think. There is one thing, at least. Think about where we go together. Can I remind you? No, I'm not going to stop it. Uh, can I I'll just remind you that we go to the swimming pool. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, guys, we go to the swimming pool. Do you like it? Together. Yeah, me and Dad. What do we do there? I said that. My name is Ice, so I... <clears throat> I know, I know. I hear you kicking the table again. Sorry, I know that seven minutes is a bit too much for a four-year-old girl, but we're going to finish soon. I'm just asking you, what do we do at the swimming pool? Drink it. Do we drink water from the swimming pool? No. Oh my god, somebody's knocking on the wait, door. Wait, wait. Let me stop the recording now. Yeah. Okay, guys, that, that's pretty much it. I think that's enough material for you to come up with some conclusions. I'm stopping the recording now. Oh. Okay, so that was Alex and Alice. Their names, guys, your names sound quite similar. Alex and Alice. Alice. Alice and Alex. Uh, Alex and Alice. Now, some of you I know, I can just, I can just sense it. I could, my Jedi powers are telling me, you know, my spider sense is tingling. Some of you will be desperate to say at this point that she has a Russian accent or something. And maybe she does have a bit, but like we said before, that's fine. We're not looking for perfection here. We're looking for a baseline or foundation of comfort in English. And I think it's fair to say that Alice has got that. You heard her producing correct grammar, fairly complex little chunks of English, if you were listening carefully, and other things might come later, like her accent, especially if she continues to listen to English from things like cartoons, films, and also audiobooks and, and things like that. But the, the main advantage that little Alice has got is that English is part of her life. Is Alice bilingual? Well, that depends on how you define bilingualism. As Alex said, he estimates her vocabulary to be about 20% behind that of a native speaker of her age. And that's great. Remember, connection, not perfection. Uh, for those of you who cannot get over the fact that Alice still sounds a little bit Russian, I would ask you this. Is Alex wasting his time? Do you think he's wasting his time? Would it be better for Alice if her father only spoke Russian to her? Is it realistic to expect Alice to speak exactly like a native speaker, like a mini Amber Minogue? Is Alice's English 20% worse than a native speaker? Or is it perhaps 80% better than a child who only ever speaks Russian? Food for thought there. Um, uh, of course, it, it's, it is a question of personal choice. Um, you know, whether you decide to speak to your child in English, that is a question of personal choice. But still, it's worth thinking about, don't you think? If you are also raising your child in English to some extent, do get in touch and tell us about your experiences in the comments section of this episode on teacherluke.co.uk. We would like to know what you think and what you are doing, including your doubts, the things you're confident about, and just, you know, the whole thing, really. Um, so leave your comments on the page for this episode on my website. Don't leave it on the main page, the front page of the website. You'll see that if you just go to teacherluke.co.uk, you get the, the main page and there's a comment section under there. If you've got specific comments about specific episodes, go to the episode page. Um, you'll just you know, just click episodes in the menu and find the, the relevant episode in that big list and then leave your comments there. That's the best uh, way to do it. Thanks again to Alex for talking to us and sharing his story. You can find Alex on Instagram, by the way, and everything he posts is in English. So check it out if you want to, for example, have a little look at um, Alex's little moments from Alex's life, including... Um, a couple of pictures of Alice and him and, and stuff like that, then go to Instagram and uh, you can find um, Alex. Uh, it's basically Instagram.com slash Suvorov Alexander. That's S-U-V-O-R-O-V 
A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R, Suvarov Alexander. Um, and by the way, that, that website for checking your vocabulary, the one that Alex mentioned, testyourvocabulary.com, the website's test is, is fairly reliable, I would say, if you answer it honestly. Um, they basically just give you a list of, you know, several lists of words and they just say tick the ones that you know at least one definition for. And you have to be honest, you know, some words you might be tempted to tick, but if you honestly don't know what they are, then you shouldn't tick them. So if you answer it honestly, I think the website, I think the test is fairly reliable. It's all based on an academic research project. And every time you take the test, the the data gets added to their database. You don't need to give your name. You don't give your email address or anything like that. It's all anonymous. Uh, Their database is there to help with an academic study that they're doing. Anyway, to cut a long story short, it seems quite reliable. But that that's just the best I can say. It seems to be reliable. It must be extremely difficult to calculate someone's uh, vocabulary range. I just took the test before doing this recording. It took about five minutes. Would you like to know how many words I know? Well, apparently I know 31,200 words, which is ever so slightly above average for a native speaker of English in my age group. So this means I am entirely normal or a tiny or a tiny amount above normal, which is good to know. So my English appears to be a very good sample of what the average British person knows, which is quite a, quite reassuring uh, for you, I would imagine. The test, the number of words goes up to 40,000. That's like the, the maximum number that you can get in the test. Um, so I just got slightly above average for uh, a British person in my in my age group, which is quite entirely typical for me. In most things, I've just been just a, just like a little bit above average. As a football player, just slightly above average. In my exam results at uh, at school, just slightly above average. And I was never excellent, just slightly above average. But anyway, the point here is that. My vocab, 31,200 words, completely normal. So I am a normal native speaker of English. That's quite reassuring, isn't it? And some of you are thinking, wait a minute, Luke, we thought you would be exceptional. Well, of course, I am exceptional in my own way as well. There's no, there's no question about that. Uh-huh. Um, so there you go. That's, the, that's it. That's the end of the episode. Uh, I will speak to you again soon. I've got some more interviews lined up with some interesting guests and stuff. And of course, there's the Whisperlep competition and all sorts of other things I've got to work on and produce. I'm looking forward to uploading lots of new content coming. We're nearly getting to, we're nearly at 700 episodes. Does that, is that significant? Not really. It's just a number, isn't it? In fact, I've, I've done way more than 700 because there's all of the free episodes in the app the premium stuff, lots of other little episodes that don't have numbers, like kind of secret episodes that you can only find on the website and stuff like that. But anyway, 700 still, it's a, it's a milestone of, of sorts, isn't it? Uh, it's probably going to turn, it's probably going to come up at around Christmas time. Maybe I can do some combined, spe- I don't know what special episode, I don't know. But anyway, that's, that's it's nice. 700. Whee! All right then. Um, I'll let you go now. I'll let you go back to your normal life again. Thank you very much for choosing to listen to my podcast. Take good care. Okay, be safe, be healthy and stay positive. And I'll speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.